coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. Don't let someone who's given up on their dream talk you out of yours. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Because you know what? The don't listen to that. Just you keep you keep persevering. Mm-hmm. Stay strong because you can do it. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Past the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Up next on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Mark Roman, who is the founding partner of DeNovo Advisors. Mark has a long history of leadership. As a matter of fact, he was actually in some Fortune 50, leading some Fortune 50 companies. So that just goes to show you the type of experience that Mark brings to uh, us today on Past the Secret Sauce. Currently, he has uh, the company DeNovo Advisors, where they are helping people to not only raise money, but also determine, you know, how to spend and use money that they have raised. So Mark has a great, great background, again, in leadership, and we get into some of the challenges and issues that that businesses are facing today, and how to overcome those issues, and, and how to grow your business in today's environment. So I hope you enjoy today's episode with Mark Roman on Pass the Secret Sauce. Well, I'm an only child and I was adopted. Um, So my dinner table was my mom and dad and myself. My dad was a maintenance man for General Electric for 47 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad retired when he was 62 years old. And uh, my mom and dad always wanted better life for me than they had. They were both uh, depression era children. Uh, My dad passed away two years ago when he was 95. And, uh, but they always encouraged me. They didn't necessarily understand me, (laughs) (laughs) but, but they always encouraged me. And, uh, you know, I've had some interesting uh, jobs in my career. Uh, I was a partner at Accenture. I was a global general manager for IBM, but I started a couple of small companies kind of uh, right after leaving Accenture. And uh, my dad didn't get it. My mom didn't get it, but they were both of the opinion, hey, as long as you're happy, yeah, the money yeah. will come. You'll yeah. you'll figure it out, right? You're a smart kid, yeah. And um, so uh, you know, it was, it was uh, we, you know, we didn't eat, we didn't eat out. You didn't uh, you didn't bring food in because there was no such thing as takeout or, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and uh, like I said, since it was just the three of us, um, all my friends wanted to have dinner at my house. Uh, because uh, everybody would tell you my house we were poor financially but we were full of love Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and understanding and uh, that uh, that was true I mean even even my cousins who uh, lived in the area were like I can't believe the diversity of friends you had you had Asian friends you had Christian friends you had Jewish friends you had Islamic friends and your mom and dad were just embracing to everybody they would Mm -hmm. all you know, welcome anybody into the house and uh, into our home. So uh, the dinner table was always pretty well uh, uh, consumed with discussions about how our days were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my dad would talk about what machines had broken down at the plant and talk about what needed to be done with the car. And uh, my evenings were filled with, uh, you know, rebuilding carburetors or um, changing brake brake linings and brake pads or, you know, those types of things. Um, or uh, my dad had a side hustle as a home builder. Uh, so he and my uncle also built houses. So I got pretty handy with a hammer and a drill and, um, and with electrical work. Although we figured out pretty quickly that I am profoundly colorblind. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, when, uh, 
I was uh, working on a wiring project and to me, black and blue yeah, are, looks are the, the same. same, right? Yeah. They're dark and there's white is white yeah. and red and black and blue and green. They're all dark. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I got a pretty good jolt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but we figured out pretty quickly that I was colorblind. And I have been colorblind all my life, uh, but you know my uh, my uh, dinner table conversation was always uh, around how our day was and aspirations and and things of that nature. So as I said, my mom and dad always wanted me to have a better life than they did, and they believed in education. Mm-hmm. As uh, neither neither my uh, neither of my uh, my my father actually uh, did graduate from high school. He got his GED. Uh, after he came back from World War II, and uh, my mom never got past the sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I did have a cousin uh, that was, well, he's 18 years my senior, who had gone to college and, and made out pretty well for himself, as, at least based on, you know, a kid from Steeltown, still Warren, Ohio. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they... Uh, we were we were from Warren, Ohio, and uh, my my cousin and his wife uh, lived in Shaker Heights, Ohio, which mm-hmm. is a suburb of, of Cleveland area. And uh, at that point in time, was a pretty well-to-do suburb. And uh, you know, my mom and dad were always uh, aspiring to to have me do as well as my cousins, and um, but they never they never pushed me. Like I said, they always embraced whatever it was they they didn't necessarily understand what it was but they were always supportive yeah if you were if you were interested in it that's great if i was interested in it and just to to prove that point i was uh i was kind of a photography bug okay um i don't even know how i picked up photography but when i was a senior in high school i wanted a 35 millimeter camera something fierce and uh you know, when you're when your dad's only making five thousand bucks a year, um, you know, a hundred dollar camera is a, is a yeah, lot of money. It's a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal. And I remember my dad uh, and mom got me a, a Minolta thirty five millimeter camera for for graduation from uh, high school, and I was over the moon. Um, and I actually put myself through college as a photographer. Oh, wow. What, um, what types of things would you shoot? I would do weddings. I would do bar mitzvahs. I would do first communions. And I broke every rule in the book. <laughs> I took photography classes actually at, in college. Was a, kind of a, you know, a, a extracurricular type of thing. And um, I, um, I would take several hundred, couple hundred photos like at a wedding. Mm-hmm. And I would do all of the standard shots of, you know, bride and groom with their hands together and posing with the candles and the cake and that type of thing. But the the rules that I would break, the rules at the time were never give your client a bad photo. Okay. You always self-edit and you would never, like you would have a flash that wouldn't, you know, go off properly. Yeah. Well, people's faces would be dark. If you were a professional photographer, you would never, ever, ever in a million years show your client that proof Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it's not professional. Well, I gave my clients everything. Mm-hmm. I put it in a nice little album and I did nice little three by five um, sheets um, so they could see every photograph. And I cannot tell you, Matt, I, uh, I did one wedding... <laughs> And I probably made $300 off of one photo. Uh, it was uh, a photo of the grandmother mm-hmm. and the aunt, kind of the matriarch of the, of the family of this, of the husband who was getting married. And when I was reviewing what they wanted to order, they said to me that we need uh, six eight by tens of this photograph and, and we want to know what's the what's the biggest size you can do mm-hmm. and i said well you know eight by ten is what i can do but i i do have a a color laboratory that i can take and they'll 
they can do a bigger photograph for you. And uh, they ordered a uh, 12 by 16. And I said, just out of curiosity, I said, um, you know, the flash didn't go off. It's And the, the husband said, oh my God, Mark, no, you don't understand. You captured Aunt Stella's grandma's expression perfectly. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom and dad want one. My uncle Tony wants one. My, you know, and it was just, it was crazy. So, you know, I was, I was breaking the rules because as a professional photographer, I should have never even shown that photograph yeah, to yeah. them. And they would have, and would have never, never uh, been able to realize how important nope. that one was to them. And then yeah. the other thing that I did, which again was verboten, of course, digital didn't exist. Right. Um, these were all, you know, so I would, uh, I would sell the client, the, uh, the proof book, I may have 300 three by five photographs in there. Yeah. And I'd, I'd sell them that for 300 bucks. And uh, I may have $75 tied up in, in actual materials and everything. Yeah. And um, again, if I was a professional, I would never do that. You would never give, you know, your client because they can, they can show those to friends and yeah. that type of thing. Now I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them the negatives and I was pretty organized about having them all numbered. So if it was the if it was the Matt Shields wedding, I would say, okay, Matt, you know, you you called me, you wanted some some enlargements. Yeah. What numbers do you want? So and I'd look through, through order, and yeah. I'd say, okay, so it's it's the the uh, the one of you and your wife cutting the cake. Yeah, that's the one, right? Um, so I didn't give people the negatives, which yeah. they could make reproductions from or make enlargements or whatever. Um, and I was. Uh, you know, I was also, uh, I didn't have uh, some lengthy contract. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a one page contract uh, that a, a friend of mine helped me draw up. And we had a, we had a B-law professor <laughs> literally read it. And he said, this will protect you and it'll protect the, the other people. And uh, people said, this is, this is all you want us to sign. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Because other professionals would have like a ten-page yeah. contract yeah. with tons of legalese in it, yep. which um, the photographer may not necessarily know. And the other thing I did, which again violated all of the rules at the time, was to uh, to give them the rights to those photographs. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as a professional photographer, you were always supposed to maintain the rights to those photographs. So that even though they were they were photographs of you and your wife, for example, mm-hmm. you didn't own those. You you owned the print, but you didn't own the rights to do anything with those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you couldn't make uh, Christmas cards or Hanukkah cards or whatever with those uh, yep. without paying me a royalty. And I just thought, you know, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of flaky. I mean, that's just, you know, it's not. Uh, I I don't know. I guess I always wanted to follow the the golden rule or the platinum rule of, you know, treat people the way I would want to be treated or, yeah. or treat people the way they want to be treated. Right. And that was, uh, so I, I put myself through school through four years of, um, you know, so I yeah, guess I've, I've had that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. So, um, you, so yeah, you've had it very, very early on. What, what was one of the, the yes. first, um, you know, We'll say larger successes that you've had uh, as far as uh, starting a company, and um, what would you say that that one would be? Well, the first one was a company called Health Connections, and uh, this was uh, back in 1990. I guess oh, 1990, <laughs> 90 to 92, and um, I had an idea of how to connect physicians offices with laboratories so that they could get laboratory information sent out to the physicians offices. Mm -hmm. And our our original concept was doing it with fax machines. Okay. Uh, So uh, basically I had three business partners. We had one guy who was a technologist and um, a woman who was a healthcare geek like I am. And we had another person who was, um, kind of another tech geek 
And uh, I guess you could say my, uh, I probably have always had more guts than brains. <laughs> um, we, uh, we decided that we could uh, have a three-tier architecture. The internet didn't exist yet. Yeah, so yeah. There, there was no such thing as Netscape or Google or, you know, browsers, right? Yeah. Um, so we decided, well, we need the telephone company. Um, you know what? We'll approach a telephone company because this will drive revenue for the telephone company if we're sending stuff over the, the, the tele, telephone lines. Yeah whether it's facts or whether it's data. And um, so we had a, a shopping mall concept of, uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll go into an area and uh, we'll, we'll approach a telephone company that supports that area. And we'll approach a hospital that has a bunch of physicians offices associated with it. And we'll go after some of these big laboratories mm -hmm. and see if they'd be interested. So, you could say I've got more guts than brains or more balls than brains. I'm not sure which <laughs> we got. Um, we got an, uh, we got an audience with the chairman of the Ameritech corporation in Chicago. Okay. And Ameritech at the time was a regional bell operating company. It was the telephone company for five States for Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Mm -hmm. And so we flew to Chicago and we met with this, uh, the chairman, and CEO, a gentleman by the name of Bob Barnett. And we had done all of our numbers. We had, you know, our business case, et cetera. And uh, we were asking for $10 million in seed money. And we mm -hmm. had a nice uh, schedules of how we were going to use the money, et cetera. And we had a business case outlined on how we would uh, drive revenue with that, plus what it would do for the telephone company. And uh, so Bob listened to us. And, uh, you know, here I am an eager, let me think about this. <laughs> I guess I was probably 28, eager 28 years old. Um, you know, I'm trying to show him, look, look at page 15, Bob, and look yeah. at this. And, uh, you know, you learn lessons. Bob Barnett looked at me and he said, Mark, if you put it in writing, you believe it. I tell me, talk to me. Yeah. Okay. So we, we were talking to him and it was my, uh, my female business partner and myself. And, uh, he said, okay, uh, I need to know a couple more things. So let's meet tomorrow. And, uh, but he said that we, I don't want to meet here in Chicago. We're going to meet up in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Well, you know, I'm not familiar with the area, but Brookfield's about a two hour drive North of Chicago. Okay. Well, Ameritech had a big office there. And uh, the next morning, Bob said for me, for us to meet him at this location. Well, we're standing there. The door's locked. We're not employees of Ameritech, so we can't get in. Next thing we know, a chopper comes and it's landing on the front <laughs> lawn. And uh, the, the door opens and the stairs fall down. And two guys walk out with big leather cases. And Bob Barnett is the third guy off of the plane and he's got a Lord and Taylor um, paper shopping bag. Okay. And he said, okay, come on in guys. So Gail and I go in and um, he says, uh, okay guys, well, um, my good meeting yesterday, he said, he starts dumping literally hundreds of pieces of paper out of this paper shopping bag onto the conference room table. And he said, now what I want to know is, how's your solution going to solve this? And I said, Bob, I'm not even clear what all this is. He said, this is paperwork associated with my 94-year-old mother. So how is your solution, what you're talking about, how is this going to help my 94-year-old mother? Uh -huh. And uh, so Gail and I looked at each other and I said, Bob, can you give us an hour? And uh, he said, yeah, I'll give you an hour. So we started and we started taking, you know, here's an appointment card. Here's an explanation of benefits. Here's a lab result. Here's, and we took, uh, we took double face tape because there weren't post-its yet. Yeah. We took double face tape and we were putting this stuff up and we drew a flow diagram and we drew in the kind of on the back. Here's, 
here's the uh, here's our software solution, mm-hmm. and here's the telephone company. Here's the connections that you, Mr. Ameritech, are going to be providing. And oh, by the way, um, we had done our homework uh, at the time to for a for an insurance company to actually hand key a claim from a physician's office. It cost about seventeen dollars to have someone wow. key that claim in. Yeah. Well, guess what? We were going to push that work off to the physician's office and we were going to demand, that was one of our codicils, that if the, uh, if the insurance company could get the claim electronically, that they would guarantee payment in 14 days. Okay. If it was a clean claim, meaning, you know, yeah, nothing, nothing uh, you know, obviously wrong with it. Yep. And um, so we drew the flow diagram and we showed the money flow you know, instead of seventeen dollars, the you know, the insurance company would pay us five dollars for that mm-hmm. and save twelve for every claim. And we mm-hmm. showed what it would do to the physician. Plus, your mom's lab results would be there when the doctor is actually seeing your mother, as opposed mm-hmm. to. Um, so anyway, we 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 did our you know we did our dog and pony show, and he said okay. He said you get your five million. And here I am. I'm chomping at the bit. No, Bob. No, 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 Bob. It's 10 million. We need 10 million. Yeah. And he said, settle down. I'm giving you five. You're going to sell this first. And your first client is going to give you the other five. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. Now we have to, now the hard part starts. Yeah. So since we were up in the Milwaukee area, my business partner and I both knew the CEO of Aurora Health Systems in Milwaukee. So we called his office and said, is there any possibility that he might be able to have dinner with us tonight or, you know, meet tomorrow? And we said, here's what we want to talk to you about. And uh, so we, we had dinner together and he brought his CIO along and his CIO and he sat with us. So the four of us were at dinner. And uh, the CEO was intrigued and he really liked the value proposition. So he said, so what are you you guys talking about? Well, I am fast on my feet. And I said, well, we're talking about a limited liability partnership. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. And we're going to set these up by state. Mm -hmm. So you would be an investor in the limited liability partnership that we would establish here in the state of Wisconsin. But uh, that's going to cost you five million. To uh, and he he looks at Al, the the CIO, Al Sanisi, and uh, he gives Al a just gives us thumbs up. Yeah. And uh, Gail said, uh, Gail Warden's the CEO. Gail said to us, "Okay, guys, we're in." Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it was just like, like that. It was born, huh? <laughs> it was born. It was born in uh, in about seventy two hours. Wow. Now the tough part came, right? Of actually starting to code software mm-hmm. and uh, now were you? Did you know how to do all the coding, or did you have to find oh somebody God, to no. do that? Yeah. No, yeah. no. We had we had two of our business partners were smart guys about the technical architecture and the coding and that mm-hmm. type of thing. And uh, so those two guys, that was, but that was how we figured we needed 10 million uh, because we had done some uh, kind of preliminary system design of the, the modules that we would need and then mm-hmm. how we would actually 
get information from say the physician's office mm -hmm. well you know we had to do some screen scraping so we had to take a, a, a delimited set of transactions and we mm -hmm. had to to decode those so we had modules to do that and you know we we had the preliminary system design and uh, our two business partners that were the technology guys were like okay you know, this one's going to be 120 hours and this one's going to be 40 hours. And mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. this is what we're going to need to pay these people. Right. Yep. So that was how we came up with the 10 million. So long story short, that was when the Wisconsin Health Information Network. And over the next four years, we did um, 12 more of those limited liability partnerships in 12 other states. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the Ameritech Corporation was getting ready to be sold. And uh, Bob Barnett was no longer chairman and CEO. And he said, uh, well, guys, hate to do this to you, but we need to cash out. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, oh, man, you know, anyway, long story short, we, uh, we ended up um, selling that company to another company. And uh, in four years, we went from 10 million in seed money, <clears throat> excuse me, to $250 million annual run rate. Wow, wow. So we ended up selling the company for 750 million. Wow. Uh, and then I'm, I'm proud and sad to say that the same design is still out there in today's, in some software today. Really? Really, but it's it's been replaced with, uh, you know, WebSphere and BEA and yeah, Google and you know, because uh, we we did do a front end with Netscape, um, so that was my that was my first big hit it out of the park success, and um, and I was a smart guy as far as like sales were concerned, and um, I had absolutely no problem getting salespeople to join our team. Mm -hmm. Uh, because we didn't have a standard commission schedule like a software sales guy would have. I gave uh, our sales folks a piece of the action. So they got an annuity. They got one half of 1% of what that limited liability partnership would generate on an annual basis, as long as the client satisfaction remained above 85%. Okay, okay. And uh, so, you know, I was pretty smart when it came to incentives and because I knew what would motivate me, right? Yeah, yeah. it goes back to that same thing you said earlier, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Exactly. And, well, you know. you know what? I, I was sitting there and thinking to myself, man, these the salespeople are the ones that are out there that are, you know, pushing a rope, so mm -hmm. to speak, because there's, we didn't really have competition uh, you know, because it, uh, it was a new concept. Yeah. And, um, and plus in some cases we we're actually adding to the workload in the physician's offices. Uh, but the guarantee that they were getting was that claim that they submitted today, that they had their office clerk key into the system. They were going to get cash in their account 14 days from that. Yeah. And, um, you know, so there was a, it was, uh, it was, uh, we knew what the value proposition was. Yeah. And we knew what the puts and takes were and who, you know, who had the money and who had the benefit from it. And, uh, and so I didn't, I didn't treat anybody like chattel, right? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like, okay, well, the programmers are just, you know, they're just bit twiddlers. Yep. Yep. Well, no, the, the bit twiddlers, the, the, the programmers got a similar piece of the action. Yeah, so everybody's moving in the same direction together and everybody's everybody's, everybody's the boat yep. in the same direction and yep. i it was it was funny because um, um one of the networks that we did down in, in nashville tennessee i was down there and uh, we had uh, baptist health system you know we had uh, 10 care which is the the, the medicaid um, the state medicaid agency was one of our anchor tenants uh, because um, they wanted to be able to provide better service to Medicaid recipients. And uh, it, was, it was funny because there were a couple of young guys that came and I saw they had, they had a, our logo on their shirts. <laughs> and I said, uh, 
sorry guys, but I, I can't uh, can't help but noticing. And who uh, was one one guy particularly said, uh, "Oh, I'm you know Rajiv," and uh, just uh, you know we were hoping we'd have an opportunity to meet you. Uh, and I said, "So I'm, I apologize. I'm not familiar with the names. What what do you guys do?" And uh, Sanjeev said, "Well, I'm just a I'm just a software tester." And I said, "Just a tester? Are you kidding me? You have one of the most important." jobs in this whole company mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because you know what we're dealing with people's lives yeah it's just laboratory information and you know it's payments and, and that type of thing but our software has to really work flawlessly because mm -hmm. we're a small company and uh and i i had that attitude uh to make everybody invested in what we were doing so we had a receptionist we we actually sublet office space in Chicago from Ameritech at 333 West Wacker. And uh, I don't remember what our receptionist name was, but we had a receptionist. And um, I said, you know, you have one of the most important jobs in the entire company. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she laughed and she said, oh, come on. And I said, no, seriously. I said, you are the face and voice yeah. of health connections to people who call or to people who come into the office for demos and that type of thing. I said, you're selling with us because the impression that these people get from yeah. you is reflective of everybody in the, in the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, so I, I literally, I did this at another company that I worked with. I uh, developed, um, I called them job families but I had a, a value proposition for every type of job. So it didn't matter whether you were an EA or a receptionist or, you know, the, the person who stocked the kitchen with coffee and snacks, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> there was a, <clears throat> there was a value proposition of why your job is critical to our entire operation. That's interesting. Yeah. So you're tying everybody together and making them again, feel like they are part of the organization. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody, you know, take that approach before, but I, I, I love that. I think that that's incredibly, incredibly powerful. Culture is so important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and particularly in small companies and in, in startups, you can, the wheels can come off very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, if you, if you don't have people rowing in the same direction and, uh, you know, so, so from my perspective, culture was very important. And, uh, you know, we had a health connections culture and, uh, you know, that was 30 plus years ago now. And I still keep in touch with uh, a number of the people who, mm -hmm. who worked with me there who have, uh, you know, gone on to, uh, to bigger and better things. And uh, I feel very proud of one woman in particular who started her own consulting business about Actually, she just celebrated her 20th anniversary. Wow! And uh, she sent me an incredibly touching. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get choked up. Uh, she sent me an incredibly touching letter that said, "You know, I always loved working for you." And uh, she said, "You know, you're the one who who kicked me out of the nest. You saw things in me that I never saw in myself, mm -hmm. and you gave me the confidence to to." to go out there and launch and to do it. And uh, it was like, wow, you know, I mean. Uh, yeah, that's uh, special when you, when you realize the impact that, that you have had on, on people. And it, it's unfortunate because I think a lot of times that you don't get to, to have that type of reward, that type of experience, no. you know, people don't, don't open up like that to you. So, right. Um, so that's great that, you know, she was able to, to, you know, show her appreciation for, you know, what you contributed to her life. Love it. Yeah, it was, was crazy. And for her to celebrate her 20th anniversary in business for herself, and she has uh, she has about 140 people working for her now. Wow. Yeah, so she's um, gone on and done some great things. She's gone on and done some fantastic things. And she's uh, she's in analytics and, and now in artificial intelligence. Oh, wow. Wow. So she's, she's transformed her business, you know, several times over. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a message that I think... Uh, that everybody has to, uh, to embrace is, uh, you know, don't, don't get too comfortable. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you keep, always be looking for opportunities to advance yourself and, yep. you know, and, move yourself forward. And, and don't take no for an answer. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, and I mean that in, in all seriousness. I don't think I shared with you, but I had emergency brain surgery two years ago. Oh, wow. I had a, uh, I had a birth defect, which ruptured in my brain and my temporal lobe, which gave me all of the symptoms of a right side stroke. Okay. And uh, I had always wanted to write a book. <laughs> and I, uh, I thought, you know what, the rehab from surgery, uh, there's going to be, a, there's, you know, a lot of cognitive, I mean, I'm going to do yeah. these interviews, I'm going to write, etc. And uh, so I told my brain surgeon, I'm, I'm going to write a book. And he looked at me, and he laughed, and he said, are you serious? And I said, yeah. And uh, he said, you know what, Mark, I think if anybody can do it, you just may be able to, to do it. Mm-hmm. But there were so many people who said, don't even attempt it. Don't, yeah. don't, it's stupid. Don't try it. Right. And yep. uh, it was like, no, no, it's a, it's, it's always been a dream of mine. So and there's the book. Yep. Conquering the boundaries of friendship. Yep. And, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed writing. Didn't, didn't know I would ever be good at it. And yeah. it went to, it went to number one on Amazon. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, the week it was released. And I've got two more books coming out now. What, uh, what are those ones on? Well, the next one is actually called You Are Cured, The Definitive Guide to uh, the, the Healing Process for Patients and Caregivers. And it's all based on, well, the, the catalyst was my brain surgery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's, uh, I've interviewed over 400 people for this book. Uh, people who have had heart attacks, strokes, cancer, I mean, you name it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've looked for commonalities in people's beliefs and uh, in, in things that, uh, you know, that people use to keep themselves motivated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just give you one quick anecdote. I, I interviewed a 78-year-old woman who had had... Uh, pancreatic cancer then she had breast cancer double mastectomy then she had uh, colon cancer and then she had thyroid cancer and every time she would progress and i i said to her uh just out of curiosity you know after you had the mastectomy what how did you stay positive about that because a lot of people would have just said oh my god you know Mm-hmm. And she said, well, my, my youngest son was, um, was going to be getting married. And she said, I did a little vision board with uh, pictures of dresses and flowers. And, and she said, I kept that by my bedside so I could see it. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, I, I knew that was her Rob, motivation. Yeah. That was her motivation. Exactly. And I said, well, what about when you had the you know, the pancreatic cancer because it was stage four. And she said, well, my middle son was going to have his first baby. And she went, told me about her vision board of what, you know, the bassinet and gifts Mm -hmm. for the baby. And if it was a boy, if it was a girl, et cetera. And she said to me with something that I've actually used as a quote in the book, she said, honey, you have to find your fuel. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out what motivates you and what keeps you going. And uh, she said, you're going to have hundreds of people tell you, you can't, you'll never, you'll, et cetera. And I said, oh yeah, trust me, I know. Because I, in January of 2018, I was, I was told I would be blind the rest of my life and I would never walk again. I would be oh, paralyzed. Wow. Yeah. I would be, uh, and I, I actually, I kicked a social worker out of my room Um <laughs> She came in and she had all these glossy brochures. And she was like, uh, Mr. Roman. And I said, yeah. What? And I had met her before. So I said, what's up, Nancy? Well, I just want to go over some things with you. And she, she gives me this brochure of like lift gates for vans, for wheelchairs. And uh, motorized wheelchairs and et cetera. And I said, what's all this crap? She said, well, you know, you're going to need one. And I threw the brochure back at her and I said, get the fuck out of my room. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she said, excuse me? I said, get the fuck out. I said, I don't need you. I don't need this shit. Yeah. And uh, so the next day, 
<laughs> there was a new white coat, a new physician standing at the base of my, my bed. And I said, hi, I'm Mark. Who are you? Well, I'm, uh, I'm Dr. Steve. Hey, Dr. Steve, what kind of doctor are you? Well, I'm a neuropsychologist. Oh, geez. And I thought, okay, here it comes. <laughs> he said, I, I understand you're not handling your uh, situation very well. And I said, no, actually, I think I'm handling it quite well. And he said, well, I understand there was a little altercation with Nancy here yesterday. Yeah. And I said, uh, well, let me just be very blunt with you. I don't need any negative. Yeah. And I don't need any negativity. Yep. I need positivity. I need people telling me, not telling me I can't, asking me how I can. And yeah. I need, so, and he looked at me and he laughed and he said, uh, well, recount for me what happened. And I said, well, Nancy came in, she showed me these brochures and telling me that I'm going to need a lift gate and we're going to need a van and I'm going to be confined to a wheelchair the rest of my life. And I said, get the fuck out of here. And he laughed and he said, did you really say that? I said, yeah. And I said, by the way, just uh, for your information, if you start that shit, there's the door. <laughs> and that was about his uh, reaction. That's great. <laughs> he laughed and he said, no. He said, uh, I like your attitude. Um, he said, but Mark, you have to understand, she's just doing her job. Mm -hmm. uh, and he starts in with all of the, you know, the neurologists and what they're saying and, you know, the paralysis that I've got. And, and at this point in time, I'm starting to regain some of my vision mm -hmm. uh, because the reason I lost my vision was my brain swelling mm -hmm. was compressing both of my optic nerves. Uh, so... I didn't have any physical damage other than the brain swelling. So once they got the brain swelling down, you know, and I, I mean, I, you know, I, you, you have to, you have to laugh about some of this stuff. Otherwise you will cry. Um, I, I had a brain drain installed. They drilled a little borehole in the back oh, wow. of my skull and they sewed a tube in and they sewed a collection tube yeah. to my right pectoral muscle. And uh, you could see the blood and fluid draining into my little, and I called it my brain drain. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so there was one nurse, one, I was in neuro ICU. And there was one nurse named Nikki. She came in one morning and she was like, Mr. Roman, are you awake? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm awake, Nikki. Why? She said, well, I have to uh, have to replace your collection tube, et cetera. And I said, oh, I said, when do I get rid of the brain drain? And she said, what did you call it? I said, brain drain. I said, that's what it is, right? It's draining all the excess crap off of mm -hmm. my brain. And she laughed and, and she, she told me whatever the proper terminology was for it. And I said, yeah, like I said, a brain drain. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so everybody, you know, everybody chuckled about that, but it was like, hey, you know, it is a brain drain for yeah. me. It's that's uh, so I stayed positive and I wrote my first book. And like I said, I'd never thought I would be any good at it. I've always enjoyed it. And uh, I had a publisher down in, in Austin, Texas, picked it up. And, and did you have uh, to did you have to uh, to pitch it to a lot of different publishers, or was it was I, that a? I, I pitched it to two publishers. Oh, um, and uh, it was a hell of a lot easier than I thought. Yeah, uh, and it, it was partly because of the CEO of my publisher. He and I hit it off. Yeah, uh, and we did a Zoom like you and I are doing. And uh, he called me the, after we did our first Zoom and I pitched the book to him. And um, he said, uh, what are you doing next Tuesday? Uh, I said, I don't know. I looked at my calendar. I said, you know, I'm kind of still doing rehab. Um, but he said, okay, well, I have a book strategist. Uh, I'm flying him up. He'll, he's yours for the day on Tuesday. Wow. So I met this young man. Uh, named Kevin and we talked about the book and, and talked about kind of what my target audience was and and uh, and he called me back the next day and he said uh, it's a go yeah yeah that's so, great uh, that's yeah it was, it was it was crazy but uh, you know and I, I mean I'm an old consultant right what does an old consultant do you 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 pose a hypothesis mm-hmm and then you seek data, you gather mm -hmm. data to either prove or disprove that hypothesis. Well, that's what I did with this book. I interviewed 200 men for this book, for, the, for my first book. Mm -hmm. I've interviewed 400 for the current one that's going to be published. And then 
for the for the one on uh, financing for entrepreneurs and founders. We've interviewed about a hundred people so far, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's it's then it's it's aggregation and synthesis. Yep. Of uh, you know of the yeah, commonalities. Yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, so, so that's that's basically what you you're doing at this point is is just doing interviews. Um, and and actually, I mean, you're you're also helping people raise money at this point as well. Too, yes. Um, yeah. Well, in- we my my business partner and I, you know, we have uh, DeNovo Advisors, which we uh, we started, uh, you know, after my brain surgery. And uh, my business partner is one of my best friends. He and I have known each other for 32 years. Yeah. He was actually, when I was a partner at Accenture, he was assigned to me. Uh, I was assigned to be his mentor. And uh, this, this dude is, has a heart of gold and he's as smart as a whip. Uh, he's, got, he's got eight kids. He's got six, six boys and two girls and a wife. And when I was in the rehab hospital, uh, every Sunday, Greg would come and have lunch with me yeah and give my wife a break and yeah. uh, you know it was one of those things where it was like i told him a couple of times dude you don't you got you got eight kids at home you got a wife you don't need to be spending your you know your sunday afternoons with me here but he helped me get back to normal yeah and uh he was the first one who i i went out to breakfast with unescorted because up to that point my my wife you know, my wife was the biggest coach in the world. Yeah, yeah. She would do physical therapy exercises with me here at home. She would, you know, she was my biggest cheerleader. And uh, Greg called her one time and said, hey, do you think uh, do you think Mark's up for going out to breakfast? And she said, with you? And he said, yeah. And she said, yeah, with you, but only with you. Yeah. And uh, And I told him, I said, that's just a reflection of, how much she trusts you. And, you know, this was in, uh, this was in March of 2018. I still, uh, the, uh, the plastic surgery has actually worked pretty well. You can yeah, still, can't tell if, if you can, if tell. we were, if we were closer, you could see, I have about a, uh, I have about a three eighths of an inch divot okay. in, in my head. And I did wake up once during surgery when they were cutting my skull open. Oh, wow. That little borehole in the back, they cut, and they cut up and through the skull and around the back and then flap the skull back to, to wow. get to the brain. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I had, uh, I had 67 staples and I still have 12 little plates and 24 little screws that are holding my, holding my skull together until it recalcifies. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's incredible. one of those things where, uh, I looked like something out of Mad Max. I looked yeah. like, like uh, you know, something from a post-apocalyptic uh, <laughs> horror thriller. It's funny. That is, yeah. that is, that, that, yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a, hell of a journey you've had there. Yeah, um, but you know what? That's why I say, don't let anybody tell you you can't. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, I, it's, and I love, I love your positive outlook on things too. You know, I, I'm the exact same way. I don't like having any type of negativity around me. I don't want nope. anybody, you know. Who, who has that type of outlook or, or, you know, approach to, to situations and, you know, it served me well. So, um, no, so I, I absolutely love that. Um, if, if people wanted to learn more about you or your book or anything that you're up to, what would you say is the best way to, to, to accomplish that? Uh, the best way to accomplish that is probably hitting me on through LinkedIn. Uh, I mean, our, you can also reach me through our website, uh, our website is denovo, D-E-N-O-V-O, dot L-L-C. Uh, and there's a, I have a biography on our website. And uh, of course, there's a, you know, email. Uh, it's just mark at denovo, dot L-L-C. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, and I do have an author page on Amazon. So you can always just key in Mark Roman and get to my author page. But I am, I am not the Mark Roman, the author who does the, uh, the uh, caricatures uh, and, uh, and humor. Um, I never realized what a common name Mark Roman is. Yeah, yeah. Until uh, you start putting yourself out there. Huh? <laughs> start putting yourself out there. And then uh, and I, one, one humorous story, just a quick aside. There is a, uh, an African-American Mark Roman who was a linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers 
And when Google was first starting Gmail, Google allowed that Mark Roman and this Mark Roman to have the same email address. Oh, geez. <laughs> with different passwords. Okay. Okay. So uh, I, one, like a Thursday, I got an email and said, Hey, Mark, um, we're doing four by fours on Saturday. You want me to pick you up and we can drive over to the stadium together? I'm like, four by fours Saturday. What the hell? Who, who is this person? Right? Yeah. And it's like, and uh, <clears throat> well, African American Mark Roman sees one that says, Hey, our meeting with the client is Monday. I'm flying out Sunday. Do you want to stay at uh, the, the Lowe's Anatole in Dallas? Or, yeah. And he's like, we're not playing Dallas. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so long story short, we, uh, we both figured out that somehow we had gotten the same email address, but yeah. we could access it with different. And we got a Google tech on who said, oh, crap, that shouldn't have happened and explained. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm Mr. Mark J. Roman at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. uh, and uh, so I, I have had the chance to, to meet the African-American Mark Roman. And he's had the, uh, the opportunity to meet the Caucasian Mark yeah. Roman. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but. Uh, that is funny. That is funny. Yeah. And Mark then when I was you know, setting up the Google pages and everything, or not Google pages, but Amazon pages and barnesandnoble.com. It was kind of like, holy cow, that's Mark Roman's like, you know, Phil Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is funny. No, Mark, this has been, this has been fantastic. I, I certainly appreciate you sharing your, your, uh, your story of entrepreneurialism and, and overcoming struggles and overcoming your nose and, um, you know, sharing your, your advice on, um, making other people um, see the positive in themselves and realize, you know, the impact that they're making. Like I said, I've, I've never really heard anybody um, take that approach before. And I, I really like that. I like that a lot. So, you know, certainly appreciate that. Yep. Well, it's good. Good talking with you, Matt. And, you know, no just means you haven't sold something hard enough. Exactly. Uh, it just means you need to, uh, to sell a little harder or you need to listen a little more or, need to sharpen your pitch. It's just a no is just an opportunity to sell. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't so. believe that's the, uh, it, it, there's some type of a saying that no is the start of selling, I think something like that. So. Yes. Yeah. I, I've heard it too. And you know, the other, one of my other favorites, and I've, I've done some coaching with uh, entrepreneurs with the, the Veal Center for Entrepreneurship at Case Western Reserve. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just uh, talking to a young man last week. And uh, my, he was thinking about giving up because he's got a lot of other people that are telling him, you know, this, yeah. you'll never make it, et cetera. And I told him, I said, just remember, uh, don't let someone who's given up on their dream talk you out of yours. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Because you know what? The, don't listen to that. Just you keep, you keep persevering. Mm-hmm stay strong because you can do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So, well, Matt, it's good chatting with you. You too. You too. I certainly appreciate it, Mark. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.